Two Week Nose Podcast. When your heart and your head tend to sleep in two separate beds, it's gonna weigh you down, it's gonna tear you apart. Yo, yo, what's going on, everyone? Dana B here. Come on. You are listening to the Two Week Notice Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, my name is Dana B. I am your host, and I couldn't be more honored, excited, and thrilled to introduce this episode. So we have Sergio Anello on the podcast. Sergio is the bassist for the band The Early November. The Early November is one of my favorite bands growing up. When I say growing up, I mean from like high school age on. I mean, they formed in like 2000-ish. If you're familiar, you know, Warp Tour days, you know, they were uh, on drive through Records um, along with bands like The Movie Life and Midtown, The Starting Line, um, even Newfound Glory for a minute, uh, Finch, Senses Fail, uh, just to name a few. Anyway, I, I mean, I've seen them easily a dozen times, more than that, I would say. And so to, you know, have someone from that band on my podcast, you know, 15, 20 years later is, it kind of blows my mind. It's really a special to me. So, dude, Sergio, I love you, brother. I didn't even realize he's only like a year older than me. I just always thought he was much older because I think I literally and figuratively looked up to him so much. Um, truly an honor, Sergio. Thank you so much, brother. Uh, I have a feeling we're we're gonna talk again soon. I, you know, if I grew up around this guy, like if we went to the same high school or something, I know for a fact he and I would have been like homies. Like we're kind of two peas in a pod, cut from the same cloth kind of thing. And um, that's what's really cool about doing this podcast with these people. I had no idea that, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about him other than I knew he was a cool guy. I saw him at shows and stuff, and I would say hi to him at, sh at those shows, and he was always very very nice to me. Aside from that, I didn't fucking know. And now I know. Like, he's rad. So, um, also, all the music that you're hearing on this podcast is from his current solo project, which we're going to talk about. You'll hear all about it. So, um, And his solo project is, is it's his name, Sergio Anello. Look that up on, on all the streaming uh, platforms out there. As well as, if you don't know the band, The Early November, you should look them up too. All right, Sergio, thanks, brother. Really, really appreciate it, man. Enjoy. Now it must be me Oh, I'm loved by bad attention Introduced by even worse company Oh, 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 I fit the cut now it... Let's do a timeline thing here. Speaking of eyeball, like, we used to... Because we, like, we were known at one point to be, like, wild on stage. And we would, like, look at piebald... And uh, Joe Morrow, guitar for the Euro November, he introduced me to Piebald. And like, I love the songs, but it was like this like odd stage presence behavior that like I was like, well, that makes the band even cooler. And to this day, after I talked to you uh, yesterday, I put Piebald on and I was like, these songs still hold up. Like, yeah, dude, they're they're ripping. Like, yeah. Some of them are more relevant now than ever. Like American Hearts was their biggest song. I mean, that song is 
better now. It like grows so good. It ages like a fine wine. Uh, it's kind of like the perfect song, but um, it's crazy good. So good. yeah, but I'm glad you brought up you know the stage presence thing, um, and those guys. Yeah, there was something you know every live show is special compared to what you hear you know on the record. Of course, but but there was always something special about those guys and just their energy and their their on stage banter, and you can tell that they're all best friends. And there's just something special or always has been very special about a piebald show to me. That's why they're my favorite band. I don't know. It's weird. Cause we keep going back and forth on like this last year. It really makes you uh, reevaluate what you want, what's important, what's not important. And I think it took me a long time to like, like I, I almost went backwards to like when I was 13 and, I was kind of like, well, what do I want to do in life? Like my only goal at like 12 was like, I'm going to go to California when I get out of high school and like have fun. And that didn't happen in the way I thought it did, but it did because when I graduated high school, I was in California within two weeks (laughs) having fun with my friends. Like it wasn't skateboarding and surfing, but like it was, um, was playing music i never thought i would do that either and it just kind of you know fell into place and you were that kid who really at first you were at that farm you just wanted to be able to get up and play play there right and then that was that was it it was it was very like like my goal was like always like i want to be good enough to be cool or i want to be good enough to like have the girls think i'm cool in school like I never wanted to be great at anything. And I don't think I ever became great at anything. I think I found my little niche in life and, and ran with it. You're a great entertainer, Sergio. That that was all. I always, you know, not to sound silly, but like when people would be like, well, you're a musician. I'd be like, "Eh, I'm an entertainer. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll never forget that time when you jumped off those speakers, man, going back to that. I just, me and my buddy were like, holy fuck, like, and you just, you just got right up and just, like, you didn't miss a beat, dude. Um, I'm trying to think which exactly, because a lot it of had times to be I could point it out. I got a, one of the ticket stubs. Yeah. Like, was Axis like a very, how do I explain this? It was like almost like a small box of a stage, but then there was like rafter beams and a second story. Uh, or was it in a I college think, town? I think that you're thinking of Avalon, which was right next door to Axis. It's now yeah. the House of Blues in Boston, right behind Fenway Park. Oh, so, Jesus. Right behind the Green Monster. It's called Lansdowne Street. There's a whole row of clubs. And there used to be um, Avalon and Axis right next to each other. Yeah. And then I want to say around 2008, 2009, House of Blues bought that whole space for the two clubs. So now when you go into the House of Blues, it looks exactly like Avalon used to look, but they have like balconies and stuff now and they have whatever space. And like the the normal like House of Blues, like artwork. Exactly. What makes it a House of Blues? It's it's essentially the Avalon, you know, same stage, same floor, same uh, upper level. And now there's two upper levels. But yeah, with the artwork, it's like Avalon on steroids. Basically, I would guarantee if I walked into the room and you then told me the story, I'd be able to go who i see what you're talking about well i think the room where you did it in is where it was the axis which is like i don't know what is in that space now i know the house of blues owns it they turned it into like some the foundation room or some vip thing Uh, okay 
but um you know so so the ticket subs i have i got one for axis i got one for avalon one i feel like i've seen you guys play with saves the day several times and i know i have those ticket stubs but they might just say saves the day you know i don't know yeah like i i know for a fact we did i'm gonna say it was a full u.s tour it was saves the day census fail us and Emmanuel. yep which was, which was yep. a great tour it was it was super fun and everybody got along and i remember that you know i want to say that show was the first or one of the first shows i went to after i could legally drink because <laughs> i was i was born in 85 so I, and i think that was in like oh six or oh it was i think it was i think it was like right after i turned 21 i remember i got i got i took the train and i got hammered it it's awesome. so wild that you say that because I'm thinking in my head like I'm only a year older than you. Yeah. But I guess, you know, when you're in the midst of the tour, nobody's like carding you or paying attention right. to what you're doing. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I you're was, the entertainment. They do what they can to take care of you, right? I mean, for the most part, yeah. I've definitely had uh, my run-ins when, you know, when I was too young right. and somebody called me out. But yeah, for the most part, I mean, Nobody bothers you too much. I did want to ask you, Sergio, one thing I noticed was the Boston market in particular is very strong for the early November. The boss, like the, the food chain Boston market? No. Or, or no, that's what I thought you meant for a second, because we talk a lot about like where we go eat. I think I lost you. Hold on. Hold on. Can you hear me? Yeah, I was laughing when, so hard my headphones got unplugged. <laughs> when you said that, because like we're always like, oh man, Waffle House, Denny's, like we talk about like our favorite food places. You mean the Boston <laughs> music scene? That's kind of, well, as I was saying, Boston Market, I started thinking about like chicken, so that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, but no, I mean, the the I'm music like, market. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Boston music scene has always been great to us. Yeah, it, like, because you, I remember one of these tickets is the In Currents record release show. I mean, you know, you chose to do that in Boston. Maybe you had a couple of them, but I think it I came can, out that day. I can picture that show. I feel like I was wearing a red t-shirt. It was at the Brighton Music Hall, July 1st, 2012. If you look that up on YouTube, I can almost bet you had a red t-shirt on. That's how vivid that memory is. The reason I bring it up, I think there's a full recording of it on YouTube. It was a sick show. So if you want like a little nostalgia hour and a half, I'm pretty sure you could watch it back. That sounds good to me. And that's a cool venue. I don't know. I know it's hard. Like you've been to so many, but that one, it's, it's small. I want to say it holds like 500 technically, but it feels like 300. There's but... like a really tight balcony. No, there's no balcony. At the Brighton Music Hall, no, it's um. You're thinking of the Paradise, which is different. It's the Paradise, like where this, uh, I want to say the soundboard is up on a balcony in front of the stage. Yes, that's the Paradise. Okay. Yeah, uh, me and my brother, this is like a birthday gift for him. His birthday's in March, and he he has an early November tattoo. He like has the leaf on his chest. Oh, get yeah. out of here! And yeah, it says uh, "Learn to Live." Like he's, yeah, he, I mean, nice. and he's a he's a singer. He went. To, we're using his Zoom right now. Thanks, Maddie. Uh, he's. <laughs> He's like, we he's, figured it out. We figured it out, Maddie. He uh, he went to school for music at Salem State, and he's a killer, killer singer. Um, nice. And he does he covers um, early November stuff like that's right in his wheelhouse for his voice. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's so I know he's 
he's really looking forward to this. He couldn't say no. I was like, dude, I'm interviewing Sergio from the early November, man. You got to let me use your Zoom. That makes me feel so special. Like when you reached out, I was like, I don't even have anything happening right now. Like, why would anybody like, you know, want to hit me up about this stuff? But I'm always open to this. It's uh, it's nice because again, in the year we just had, you're not really seeing anybody, you know, you're talking to your friends here and there, but right. to go down memory lane and uh, think about fun and exciting and carefree times versus the anxiety ridden world that we're uh, currently going through right now. It's uh you know, I look forward to this stuff. So yeah. Thanks again for doing this. This is nice. I'm a social butterfly too. So me you know, too. when I, when I started doing this podcast, I was, like I said, I was talking just by myself and eventually I was like, why don't I just start hitting up people like from bands and stuff? Everyone's sitting around doing who knows what now anyway, like this is the time for me to That's talk to it. people, you know, my father always says, if you don't ask, you'll never know. Just throw it out there. What's the worst somebody could say? No. You know what I mean? Either they say no, they don't answer, and I move on. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, your buddy Jeff there, I, I hit him up. He didn't answer? He's in, like, dad mode, I think, you know. He would have no, been, if, okay. I t- if I told him to jump on this call right now, he would have been all over it. When me and him sit in the same, well, not room, but same environment, the yeah. stories they're always I would love that. misconstrued and they go back and forth but they're, it's it's entertaining Dude, to say the least we could do that yeah so he was very good to me uh he came out from his drum kit with a fresh pair of early november drumsticks oh, and he sick. sat he said this is at the sinclair he sat at the end of the stage with like drumsticks in his hand and me and my brother were up in the balcony we came down he goes hey man i i brought these for you you know yeah, he, gave me, a- he gave me those and and when I play the cowbell for Piebald, I use my early November drumstick. Ah, oh, I love it. During the song, The Stalker. You know what I'm saying? So it all comes full circle. We're all well, in it together. And that was when you guys were doing the VIP thing. Okay. So that was one of your more recent tours, right? Um, yeah. Because the VIP stuff, it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It was, you get there a little bit early, like, Ace would usually play some acoustic stuff. Yep. Uh, I think we watched the sound check too, which was rad. Okay. Cause I know like, not that we didn't have too much to do with it. Like, I don't think we were doing signings. We were just all kind of like hanging out. Like we were never a band to be like, Oh, you got to like sign up to have us like sign a CD. Like we hung out. You've always been approachable. Yeah. Like, especially you all the time i would see you the most uh, you know what i mean i would always be like oh sergio great show man or sergio big fan i'll see you in a little bit up there you know like you were always out there a lot um i'm very like bored sitting still like i didn't like not that anybody like hid from we're just not those people like we didn't hide from a crowd we weren't like oh let's set the ambiance of us not seeing anyone till we enter stage like that wasn't us and me, I would, I would like to hang out with people and just like watch the show. And, you know, you see the same people over and over again. Like you weirdly, not, not that you're like best buds and know everything about each other, but like, I recognize people, I'm, you know, next time we tour, I run into you, like we'll grab a beer and shoot the shit. Like, yeah, man, absolutely. You don't got to set stuff up with us for right. the most part, you know? And, and even in that VIP thing, yeah, like I think that was the first and maybe the only time you've, 
done something like that. It was, it wasn't even, it was like an extra 20, 30 bucks or something like that, you know, but it was a very special yeah. thing, especially for me as a big fan of my brother. I was like, Hey man, I, we're going to do this for your birthday. And it happened to be the same week we showed up and yeah, you guys were there. They let us in. It was a small group. I think it was like 20 of us. And oh, we, nice. we watched, yeah, he aced it in acoustic set. And I want to say we also watched the sound check if I remember correctly. Um, but they even still had like the ramp to load shit in from, you know, the floor up to the stage. And so it was like a real cool behind the scenes kind of like take. And then we went yeah. up front and we all kind of sat on the floor and did like a Q&A with the band. And everyone was like su super shy. And I just kept being like, I got a question. I got a question. <laughs> That's good, though. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I see things from such a different perspective. But like. Like you said, like, at least with me, you're like, you've always been really approachable. I never understood why people got shy because I don't think I ever looked at myself or us as like to be on some kind of level where someone would get weirded out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's the same thing. Even take um first day at school, you're in a classroom. A lot of people just, they just kind of cower up. I think it's natural. You know, I don't think I'm better than anyone else. I just don't give a fuck. I'm like, I got a question over here. No, and I'm and I'm the guy at the <laughs> core that's like, please don't look at me. Don't ask yeah. me a question. Like when I'm when I'm in that world of touring and being on stage, I'm a totally different person. I'm very like, I don't want to say to myself, but I'm like shy and kind of like angsty with with normal day-to-day -day life but then like you put me on tour and i'm i'm very much like oh this is this is where i belong like doesn't matter what i say or do or you know i'm i'm, I'm with i'm with all the same people that i want to be around it's where you belong man you, you that's just, it you said it right there that's that's your happy place i grabbed a a steve weiser today is march 16th 316 baby hey, so we got a cheers to that boom Austin 316. Cheers, buddy. I got a I got a bud in my hand, but either way. Yeah, it's all good. Well, he drank Budweiser's. I got a Miller, but he did he did drink Bud. Yeah. So there you go. Cool. Big man. wrestling fan growing up. Me too. Who who was your uh couple of your favorites? Hands down, my all-time favorite was the ultimate warrior. Dude. I think that that is my persona on stage. Hold on, hold on. I think hold on. I'll be right back. I still have this. Do you want to know? This is an Ultimate I, Warrior wrestling buddy for the listeners. I still listen, have this from like 1990. I, I swear on everything holy. I was like, he's going to bring back an Ultimate Warrior wrestling buddy. No way. I swear to you. Listen, no way. I, right hand to God. I have a funny story. So I have, I have a crazy. Hulk. Listen, I have a Hulk Hogan wrestling buddy right in the other room. I'm My brother had... He had the my brother he had, had the Hulk, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah. So I always wanted the Ultimate Warrior. It's literally it's it's a room away with all the guitars and crap. That's so awesome. And when I met my fiance, she was a uh, I hadn't met her son at the time. She was showing me his room, and he had an Ultimate Warrior uh, 
that wrestling buddy in his room that like her brother passed down to him. Oh, wow. And I, and to this day, I, which sounds terrible, but it's a joke. I always tell her son, the only reason I wanted to marry your mom is because I knew once we got married, that doll would become mine too. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny, man. And you are like him on stage, dude. That guy, he left nothing behind. I loved his music. He'd come out running. This is so funny because when we were uh, texting last night, I was watching Dark Side of the Ring on Vice. Dude, I just got into that. I'm having a weird epiphany that I'm starting to realize that my entire career and uh, stage presence, you know, stemmed (laughs) from my want to be a professional wrestler. That's so Oh, I love that. You know, even we just had a monumental moment just now. No, Yeah, man. I'm honored that it was right here on the two week notice podcast. Hey, Sergio. Fuck yeah. But uh, weird, you know, back in the day when I was watching wrestling, Vince McMahon was the commentator at that time. I didn't know he owned the WWF. I had no, no one did. Nobody did. That was before he was like a villain and stuff, but he was the greatest commentator. He was so good. He was so good. And it was him, Jim Ross, Jerry Lawler. Yeah, and, and before that, Bobby the Brain Heenan. That's like early yeah. 90s. Um, but but Vince McMahon was amazing. And then he stepped back and Lawler and, and Ross came in. Um, but he made me want to do, like I'm talking on this microphone right now, maybe because of Vince McMahon. I don't looking, know. Looking, now looking at you know the situation, I mean? it feels very, uh, <laughs> it feels very WWF. We, we we went off the rails from that timeline. You got to reel me in. It, I'll no, just... it's okay. I, I'm the same way. So the room's too cold was the first full length. That um, album's amazing. You know, from, I mean, it's really like a kind of a perfect album from, from um, front to back, to be honest, but I, go I, on. I, I appreciate hearing that. I mean, it's like anything you do, like what's cool with your own event. I wasn't writing the songs, right? The, you know, they're Aces songs, but then you, you sprinkle each member and what they do in. And I think for the time it was, uh, and it's, it still holds weight to people, which is awesome. Oh yeah, man. It's, it's hard looking at something that you've done and saying like, oh man, what a great thing. You know, like I didn't understand that maybe till I started making my own stuff. And I was like, you know, I'm proud of it, but I don't, you know, yeah, I'll go back and listen to things at times, but I'm never like, Oh, that was so great. I'm like, well, it's cool. But like, we, you know, maybe we could have did this or that. I think when it really comes to life for me, when I play these songs live, not only does it bring like a new life to it, but it like, uh, it like rejuvenates that original feeling of being like, this is so cool. Like, I love this. So like that record's super sick. I mean, the one I would say I was, I don't want to say most proud of one or the other, but like when we did the triple disc. I was going to ask it, about that. Good transition. 2006 is when it was a triple disc CD album and it was called the mother, the mechanic and the path. It was a, it was a fucking, it, it was a killer in the sense like. I love, I love that album. 
it was it was hard to do and for someone like ace who was um you know he was he was kind of like setting the tone of where he wanted it to go and what how he wanted to write it it was for me like i i think something that was uh maybe i've never i'm sure i've said it but just to make it clear like if ace had an idea i know no matter uh who maybe didn't think it was the right business move to make like the band supported it which is cool because a lot of times that doesn't happen he's like your fearless leader yeah and like you know a lot of times bands argue and we argued and we didn't get along with certain stuff but we we went in on on this record and and we're like all right we're gonna we're gonna do this like we're gonna set the world on fire maybe looking back on it you know you think like was it a great business decision for uh, a sophomore album who knows but now i feel like it's more appreciated by fans of the band than maybe when it originally came out i think that's it's almost like your pinkerton do you know what i mean when's the last time most people listen to a full-length album straight oh, through. this always comes up i mean i don't even know how many tracks are on that record it could be 40. Yeah, i just pulled it up so you got triple disc 11 tracks 11 tracks that's 22 plus another 24 so that's what 46 tracks yeah think, think about uh think about now if somebody released 46 tracks no one's gonna fucking listen to that all the people way through, can't get through, skip through people, it. no people can't get through 46 seconds of a song <laughs> most of the time this always comes up you know back in the day you would you would go we're the same age you go out you buy a cd you would have a disc man or maybe you go home and put it into your three disc changer your five disc changer and i remember i would sit in my beanbag chair bro and i would put that cd on and i would open up that booklet and i would just read through that shit as i listened to the full album because it was put together specifically for that reason and it's a full album it's it, it would be an experience almost like watching a movie i That's, have records i could it's not a thing anymore I could shut right. my eyes and see myself reading the liner notes. I didn't know who anyone was, right. what it meant, but I wanted to know every lyric. My goal, I can exactly. remember opening up a CD and being like, not going to be happy till I can memorize every lyric, every song. And so I would true. sit there. It's crazy. And, 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 then, and this is a nice conversation because I forget that feeling. And then when that band would come around, you would anticipate, you would get ticket, you know, this was, I used to have to buy tickets. It was, uh, it was, you know, Filene's. Ticketmaster used to be in Filene's. It was like a department store, like JC Penney. Oh, so, so like Filene's basement had a Ticketmaster. Um, it would be in, like Macy, Macy's or something like that. Yeah. So there was, uh, at least, I don't know if there were Ticketmasters in all of Filene's. It was the weirdest shit ever, but I would have to go to a Filene's. And we're talking a long time ago, like you Early weren't 2000s. driving there. You're so, so like, yeah, I would me, take the bus, bro. I would take the for bus. For me, it was like somebody's parent was willing to be like, I'll drop you off. You Just wait in this tickets. line. You might not get the tickets. <laughs> yeah. You might not get them because uh, yeah. somebody else is buying them at another Filene's or Macy's right. or whatever it might be. I remember doing this with like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, the bigger concerts was a, 
you know, a, a bigger deal. Like a like for me, like Weezer was, you know, I I've been to a million Weezer concerts, you know. So okay. Like, yeah, Chili Peppers or you know. Anything. My fiance is like a, a gigantic Weezer fan. I've always loved Weezer, but like, is she in the Weezer my, fan club? I don't. I mean, she's crazy. She might be. Yeah, she might be. <laughs> she might. She yeah. might be in the Weezer. She's signed up to every email site. She probably is. You could. <clears throat> excuse me. My allergies are so bad. My voice which is already at a very low tone gets very raspy you sound great Um, bro thanks i gotta go record vocals tomorrow too oh drink some tea or something no no i i think the worse i sound talking the better i sing you know better than me bro (laughs) it's it's weird because I, i i'm getting totally off subject from when i recorded my last thing till now i i haven't smoke this cigarette i smoke this stupid thing you got the jewel there right the jewel but i haven't smoked a cigarette in uh eight months and i was like a pack a day smoker oh good years man keep it up yeah the hardest thing i ever did was quit smoking i was up to a carton a week that's like that's that's a little more than a pack a day yeah it's like you're driving a a, driving a truck through the desert at all dude well this is when i was working for panera and i was working three states and a lot of you were driving a truck it it was it was overnight too oh my god so i was i was just puffing and puffing and puffing and then i bought a motorcycle thinking oh well i can't smoke if i'm riding on the highway you'll figure that out right i would pull over and smoke two cigarettes back to back (laughs) I so get it. I like. I did not cut down my cigarette intake at all. I, no, you know, I just, I just had to quit cold turkey one day. One day, I just, I just had an epiphany, I guess. And um, I, f- yeah. I find it weird that uh, this year was the year I decided to quit uh, smoking oh. cigarettes. Now, drinking, <laughs> on the other hand, terrible, terrible. Not, uh, not over the top, but terrible. I drink way too much. Me I'll too. admit it. I do. Me too. Um, it's not too much. It's daily, meaning like I might have a day that I have two beers, but like I don't go enough time. Like before it'd be like, oh, I got wasted on Friday and, you know, I don't have a drink and then I get blacked out out of my mind all weekend. Like right. I don't do that shit. I don't want right. that shit. But like it's just the consistency that at this age I'm like, same here. I'm like, oh, so stupid. But I can't tell you the last time I gave my liver a break. I, I no. honestly can't. No, I'm not proud of that, but it is. No, no, no. But I'm sure it's at least one or two a day. Yeah. If not more. <laughs> <laughs> Usually more. Usually more. More. Much more. Do you do you uh you drink liquor too? I um I like my bourbon. Yeah, me too. And I like and I like cheap beer. Yeah. I, I like Jim Beam and Miller Lite, you know, and I'm happy. Dude, I'm I'm a Jim Beam and Budweiser. There you go. At, at, I've been skinny my whole life, right? At one point, when we thought, remember earlier, we were saying like, oh, we thought quarantine would be like two weeks, maybe a month. Yeah. Well, when that happened, I looked at that as like, I'm not gonna go nowhere. I got my fiance who's staying with me. It's just me and my parents, like. I'm going to buy as much like craft beer as I could think to buy. Like we got food in the house, dude, for the first time, probably ever. I was like, yo, I'm getting like that weird fat. Like, not like you would look at me and be like, 
you're fat, but I'm like, I look like shit. Like I got to change something. (laughs) Yeah. I have it too. It's I get it. And then like, I started working out a ton again, but it was like, I don't want to say like, I never recovered. Like I'm, I'm always like pretty slender and in shape. Yeah. But like the, the young kid in me was, was like, you could binge eat and like drink all the beers you want. And like, as long as you work out twice the next week, like you're good to go. This thing hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, I'm a slob. Like I need to quit doing everything. That's what I tell myself. You know, when I go snowboarding, which like I'm at, I have a ski condo in New Hampshire. Uh, That's where I'm at right now. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm literally in the White Mountain National Forest right now. And I am looking over at ski trails, you know? So I tell myself, oh yeah, I'll just go over there. I'll snowboard, you know, yeah. I'll snowboard nine to four, but uh, I'll drink a lot of beers during that time. Well, snowboarding is a lot of, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a hard, it's a workout. You're, yeah. You're burning a ton. You ever do I know you're a skater. Um, a lot of my skater friends snowboard. Do you snowboard at all or ski? Funny fact. I've never skied or snowboarded my fiance and her son. They both ski. Um, I was saying earlier, like, I wasn't skateboarding uh, consistently, but when this shit hit, I was like, dude, you know what? I'm going to buy a new skateboard. And then she started skating. He started skating. Nice. Then it became like a, like a, what are we, what park are we going to this weekend? And we would like travel this like little park circuit. That's like around the area. Yeah, it was awesome. Cause I think back as a kid when like, you know, you go somewhere where your parents, if you're like, I want to spend the day at a skate park, they'd be like, no way. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's our day off. Like, we're not doing that. We'll take you another time. So we would do that stuff. And then over Christmas, he wanted, um, I don't know if you like follow this stuff, but like, there's all these weird trends. And he started talking about, um, like wheelie bikes which are essentially just like bmx cruisers they're oversized bmx bikes okay and i was like this is stupid dude like i'm not into this and he was like really obsessive with it so i started like looking at him and then i started getting obsessive and then (laughs) she started getting obsessive (laughs) and they were like because of the um the pandemic they weren't making them so like a bike that might cost 300 bucks now cost 600 bucks like you couldn't find shit so like we find him a bike for christmas and we're both like we're gonna get these bikes too and like start doing trails and whatever i find her bike eventually find me a bike meanwhile nobody has any fucking money because everybody's unemployed yeah man not doing what they do but i i started looking in life like all right if you if we got food on the table you could pay your bills if you're taking care of your responsibilities like yeah, it seems immature a little bit, but like I want to enjoy shit. It's not immature. It's just yeah, figuring out, you know, what's it. important in life, I think. You know, and uh the weather got really bad in New Jersey for a month or two, snow, so like nobody was using anything. But last weekend we finally took the bikes out and we were like on dirt trails doing jumps. Sick. And like we're not good, but like Who we're cares? trying. Who cares? Just don't get and, hurt like, and have fun that's just it like it was this <laughs> adrenaline rush we we're just like oh shit look at us go that's and so i'm cool. like i'm like oh man like i got this little extreme 
family I've always looked forward to. <laughs> I love that, man. This isn't a fair, listen, I, I say it all the time when I talk to people, you know, maybe it's one out of a, a million that I'd be like, I don't know why I talked to that person, but not because I went into it not wanting to it's just someone's a giant dickhead for no reason uh you know that's like any anything you know you work in a restaurant and there's that one fucking asshole that everybody hates or you're in the music business there's that one fucking asshole that everybody you know yeah that's everywhere is that what you're trying to say i don't know yeah i think um i think most people have a good grip on how to talk to anyone that they you know they don't know on a personal level but maybe they have an idea about or whatever, but you know, you do run into people once in a while that use an opportunity to interview or talk to someone and just say like pretty wild shit that makes you go like, I don't want to talk to anybody anymore. You know what I mean? And then you're in this situation that you don't want to be in. Yeah, exactly. Like, but I mean, however long we've been talking, this is a, a, a natural, nice flow of a combo, which is cool. I agree. I have the gift you know, of gab. You do. You're good at what you do. Oh, thanks, man. That means that means the world to me. You're pretty good at what you do too, bro. Thank you. I, I try my best. All right. Well, let's talk about your solo project. Sure. Tell me about it. Yes. So basically, uh, I want to say 2017. I woke up one day and said, I don't want to do what I'm doing anymore. And I literally sat down with my guitar and I pulled up songs that like I had a quarter of the way written years ago, uh, started writing more. And I ran into a, a dude that like I knew through friends and we ended up becoming really good friends. And I was like, listen, man, I got some stuff I'd love to like try and work out. And he was like, all right, cool. And, uh, you know, it started out as a fun thing. And then we both got obsessive and I, I, took it in i recorded a record uh it's called teller be told and it was under the alias uh everyone knows like i was like i don't want people to know it's me i just want to put it out so we did that we started playing shows it got like a decent reaction that's when i started like traveling and then when i went on tour with the early november um i met up with a guy who was a a fan of the early November. His name's Jonathan. He runs a record label called Sunday drive. And yeah. I started sending him demos. I got on the phone with him and like a few other people, but I, I really just, I loved what he was about. Like he just Wait, was so into music. Did he name his record label after your song? He, he did. They, so for the listeners. Yeah. The, the, there's so you're being humble. Which I for, you which have I been this forget. whole podcast. You forget that that's your song. Like, so there's a record label literally named after your band, essentially. So yeah, just you, you've just really undersold, I think, the relevance of the early November. But go you ahead. You know man. what it is? It's because like when I think of the early November, like as much as I'm part of the early November, I think Ace. So like if it was like one of my individual songs would be like a little bit different, you know, I'd be like, oh, it's weird. He wrote it after one of mine, but uh ace was like you should check out this label and this other label and this label so like i talked to a few people and i basically let them know what i wanted to do like i don't go into doing my solo stuff uh thinking i'm gonna make money the same way i've never done that with music in general i just want someone that like genuinely backs it yeah. can have this artistic approach about it and let me do whatever i want and um 
you know, just be there for me. Like totally. I want, my goal is anything that somebody puts into it. I want them to ultimately make it back and at least break even. And the rest could be on me. Right. And I get a kick out of making music. So that's when I was like, I made this like weird jazzy, like punk record. And was like, you know what? I want to do this more like strip back Americana thing. And, um, I made no heavier burden, which is six songs. Now I'm, I'm currently, um, doing a new EP. I'm doing it in this weird social distancing world, which makes it weird, but, uh, the big difference now is I've, I've only worked with Ace on these recordings and my friend, Joe Sapala. um, Ace and me did the last one. And now I'm working with a band called uh, bother none. Who's great. They're like, it's two super talented dudes. And, um, we're like writing things over the phone and I'm, I'm going to record the drums are done. I'm going to record, uh, vocals and acoustic guitar and it should be out i'm gonna hope before summer it'll be at least like a four to six song ep nice yeah so you could check me out on uh sergio anello at bandcamp.com i'm on apple music you know everything that spotify Spotify, all that stuff name it yeah that that ep's it's wonderful man i really thanks man and uh we're gonna feature some of that stuff you know, on this episode. So people will get a little, a little taste of it. And I appreciate you coming on, dude. Um, honestly, I got to get you back on because we didn't even get into half the stuff that I wanted to get into. I could talk to you all day, man. Seriously, dude, I'll, I'll, I will run my mouth as much as you'll let me. You let me know when you want me on. I'm going to hold you to that. Please do. When your mind and your soul strike a match to a folk in the All right, that's it. Two-week notice podcast. How awesome is Sergio? That guy facts. Sergio's the man. Once again, just to wrap it up, uh, all the music that you have heard on this podcast is from Sergio's solo stuff, and you can find that on Spotify, Bandcamp, all that stuff, you know, all those streaming things where they play the musics. Uh, you can find that. Just look up Sergio Anello. Uh, you can find him on Instagram. I think it's uh, Sergio underscore Anello. Uh, if you go to my page and type in, you know, who I'm following and type in Sergio, it'll come up. Follow him. This guy's the man. Really, really uh, gentleman and just a really, really cool dude. Like I said, if I went to high school with this guy, I know we would have been homies. It, there's no doubt in my mind. We were definitely cut from the same cloth. So uh, it was a real natural, enjoyable conversation. And when I asked him to do the podcast, he immediately said yes. He was like, fuck yeah, I'm 100% down. Let's do this. So such an honor. You know, huge fan of the band Early November. Check them out on Spotify. If you don't know the band the Early November, check out his solo stuff. Once again, Sergio Anello. And uh, we're going to close out the show with some of his solo music. So um, here's a song off of his newest record. And uh, I got another good one for you coming up next week all right i love you all two week notice podcast boys
There's no safe bet in life except One day that you die And every corner that you turn Will often come with a surprise You and you alone will ever Know how hard you tried But if you have someone to love Who loves you back You'll be alright Don't acknowledge everyone It seems secure in crowded rooms And I promise they won't judge you on Everything you do Trouble won't be troublesome If you're open to the right And if you have someone to love Who loves you back You'll be alright Two Week Nose Podcast.